If you take nothing else away from this episode, it should be this. Don't ever sit on another man's bike. Hi, and welcome to Belated Binge, Sons of Anarchy. I'm Zach, your host, revisiting some of the most iconic series in recent memory that I nearly missed, like Sons of Anarchy, which I didn't watch until like four years after the last episode aired on TV, and now I've watched almost every year since except for last year, which I was saving for this podcast. Today, we continue our binge of Season 1 with Episode 4, Patchover. And this is always a favorite of mine. I don't totally know why. I just think it's really fun. So let's talk about it. The Belated Binge Podcast. Before we get into it, there will be spoilers. This series wrapped up in 2014. I'll try not to give everything away, but if you haven't seen it by now, you're even later than I was. There will also be adult language and situations, especially with this show. Trigger warnings aplenty. Use earbuds as necessary. Shout out to the bonus binge squad of Alex and Katie for your own Shoutouts and access to bonus episodes. Go ahead and check out patreon.com slash belated binge like my behind the mic bonus series that I have going on there where I literally just pull out a recording device of some kind and I talk about the series in my everyday life. And those are really fun to put together and I think go over pretty well for the patrons so uh check that out link in the show notes as usual with sons of anarchy i'm gonna kick this thing off trying to introduce the episode as if it was like a rom-com or something Susie has been looking for an excuse to leave her good for nothing sorry excuse of a boyfriend for months little does she know her knight in shining armor would come find her at a gas station riding a steel horse Will she get swept up in a ride on the wild side and get used to life among the devil's outlaws? Or will this experience drive her back to the devil she knows? Let's jump into episode four, Patchover. And we open up on Hale, giving Cone background on Sam Crow. They note how quiet the town gets when you bring up the club. And the club, I guess, keeps away the, as they say, corporate boogeyman and this kind of falls right in line with clay's ideology that he told jacks about in the last episode keep away old white money and now we have a starbucks ad which is cool i guess um hale gets serious he shuts the door and he takes this opportunity to tell cone that they're getting help from inside charming pd it feels to me like hale is being the like young over ambitious like look at me kind of a thing with cone like he thinks he's got an audience with somebody who like really matters so he's trying to i don't know what he's trying to do if he's like trying to audition or like show how um how i guess like serious he is as as how uh with his job or whatever but like He doesn't know this dude for nothing, and he's, like, literally incriminating his co-workers and his boss right there in the department, and he does not know this guy at all. 
this could literally come back to bite everyone, including himself, if it wanted to be written that way. But that's not how it was written. Still, I just it it's a weird it's a weird look for Hale to go that route that quick and easy. You know, I would think that his character would want to vet this dude out a little bit more before just like trying to spill the tea on everything um, all the time. He's just like tea, tea, tea everywhere in this moment, and it seems a little it seems a little odd to me. We cut to Jax at TM working on a motorcycle because we're mechanics remember and tig has this like dramatic entrance that's interrupted by another cut a cut to unser grilling hale about cone being there and now hale's all like nonchalant about it and unser is pissed rightfully so whether whether unser was working with the club or not like he should be pissed about this he is the like top chief sheriff of this department and there's a federal agent that just like weaseled his way in the door with no real credentials no actual case no investigation he's actually working on or can prove that he's working on which i guess i'm spoiling a little bit there um and hale is telling him kind of the deepest darkest secrets of the department and it's been like five minutes and unser doesn't even know the guy's there yet he should be pissed uh, and there's like this weird little pissing match about who's chief. Um, and we cut back to the clubhouse and we're already at the table. So we have apparated from the shop to the table. Clay's just as pissed as Unser to find out that ATF is snooping around apparently. Uh, but he's still trying to think that it might not be about them. And Jax shuts that down, like, immediately. That that fantasy's not going to fly. He's like, it's definitely about them. Um, and he's right. So now we're trying to figure out where to hide our illegal guns. Um, you know, from the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. In case you were wondering what ATF stood for. Jax mentions somebody named Jerry. But he says it, jury? And this... I think this is the first real hint that Charlie Hunnam, who plays Jax, is English. Um, He does an incredible job on this show, but there's a few words along the way that he just can't completely hide his accent, Uh, and it's really funny. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think he did such a great job, I did not know it for the longest time watching this show. I might have... I truthfully might have watched the entire seven seasons not knowing that the actor who played Jax, one, not even knowing like who he was, um, but not knowing that he wasn't an American actor because the accent was so, to me, so convincingly um, American. I just thought that he said a few words funny along the way, and that just kind of shows how dumb and naive i was uh and i am and how uncultured i am is what it is (laughs) i I do my best here um back to the show uh jacks explained by the way but before we go back to the show the reason i figured it out is because it what i like i got so into this show when i watched it the first time i just kind of like watched it you know like i just i binged it every moment that i could get to it 
and just like watch it i watched it and then it wasn't until after i watched the whole thing that i started going and like looking up stuff you know i i watched youtube videos where they went to like comic cons and stuff like that i watched some like behind the scenes type stuff i watched some of the um the casting old casting videos which are awesome to watch by the way um i watched some theory video type stuff that was out there I went looking for podcast. I ended up listening to the After Buzz TV podcast like through um, when like the episodes were fresh. I don't know. I don't know that I listened to every single episode that they did because that was After Buzz does it like when the show is running and just does literally a recap of the episodes. So they're pretty quick and dirty. It's it's not like they're like doing deep dive theories and and stuff like that and a whole lot of speculation there. They're literally just kind of like reacting to the show they just watched in real time. They don't know I exist, by the way. Um, but that there's not uh, there's not a ton of uh, podcasts out there about Sons of Anarchy. So uh, that was the one that I could find at that time. But I didn't do that until after I watched it, and then I started learning all this stuff about the uh, about the cast and all of that. Uh, so now Jax explains that someone named Jerry is getting a hard time from the Mayans, uh, who we know is not friendly with the Sons of Anarchy Club. And apparently the Mayans are trying their hand at extortion at Jerry's place of business, uh, which, to put it lightly, seems to be matchmaking and gambling of some sort. Uh, Bobby and Juice do advise Jack against riding up to Indian Hills by himself because that's Mayan's territory. Uh, And this might be a good time to detour a little bit into a very, very small nugget about outlaw motorcycle clubs. Um, Many places have a local outlaw MC, kind of whether they realize it or not, um, that act as what they call like a dominant 1% club. Uh, And this means essentially that they own that geographic area aka territory and any other motorcycle related organizations clubs activities what have you need to get permission from that dominant one percent club if they don't want to learn the hard way what happens if they don't um and the way that they claim that territory is part of the patch that they wear on their cuts um in this show it's all um it's done through the bottom rocker uh, is what it's called. Um, they wear a three-piece patch like the ones that you see our beloved fictional bikers here, Sons of Anarchy, wear on the show where there's a top rocker which goes across the top of the cut. Like uh, It shows the name of their club underneath, um, like right underneath the back of their neck. Uh, there's a big patch in the middle, and that's like the symbol of their club. Um, and it's like their logo essentially and then on the bottom a bottom rocker that says the territory that they own or claim you might also um you might also see like a side rocker have uh, a geographic territory on it too um all this to say if you're somebody that is just like riding around on a motorcycle and you say oh i'm from whatever state and i'm gonna get one of these rockers and put it like on the side of my cut that says like hey i'm from here and i'm proud of it like that's not what that means you should probably well i'm not gonna say probably don't fucking do that uh it's not gonna be good and what juice and bobby are describing here is that Jax is riding through mayan's territory and that's dangerous because these two clubs are already at odds like he's not gonna call ahead 
And if they see him up there, they're going to take it as a threat and they're going to try to kill him. That's how it's going to go. It's also explained that the tribe, Jerry's Club, is a brother club to the Sons of Anarchy, which is what it sounds like. Smaller clubs that aren't a dominant but still operate as a a motorcycle club. This is sometimes called a support club. Uh, Sometimes they'll even put a support patch on their own cuts to show what dominant club that they're supporting. Uh, And sometimes that means getting kind of like called up to assist in the dominant in in certain things that uh, can take place. It's almost like a major league baseball team calling up a player from the minor league affiliate team. And if you don't understand that reference, I, I can't talk through MLB farm systems with you right now. Uh, Jax also lets us know that his dad saved Jerry's life back in the day, so he's pretty confident that if he asks Jerry to store the guns, he's going to be on board. So the plan is he and Bobby are going to make the ride up together, they're going to do it low-key, and they're going to kind of set the wheels in motion of all of this and try not to be you know, on the Mayans' radar that they're even in town. So now we cut to Tara's house, and there's flower petals on her windshield and she does not find this flattering Uh, she responds in a way that you expect to have someone respond if you give them flower petals when they're not expecting it they grab a pistol I don't buy flowers anymore (laughs) Uh, Cone is running surveillance on the club at TM and I don't think he likes that Tara stops by. Uh, She asks Jax to work on her dad's old car, and she also asks for a ride. Uh, But he can't. Obviously, he's going out of town, and he offers up Gemma to help her out. And Gemma's not stoked about this or about him riding to Nevada. She knows how this goes. She knows the score. Uh, And Gemma's, you know, not stoked that Tara's there at all, doesn't trust her. Um, and Tara's not stoked because she doesn't like Gemma, so nobody is happy in this scenario. Um, and Jax is kind of oblivious to all of this tension <laughs> between these two, uh, these two characters, which is kind of funny. Halfsack puts his foot, or maybe his entire leg, into his mouth, uh, tells Tig that Gemma gives him a serious MILF chubby, and Clay's standing right behind him. Oops. We've already had some Biker Club 101 today, um, but I don't think I need to explain anyway how a prospect saying anything about a club president's old lady, like how that's going to go. Geography isn't the only thing territorial in a motorcycle club. Uh, and now we're riding, Jackson Bobby. We're five seconds in. And already run into the Mayans, which Jax knows at long distance, and Bobby apparently doesn't? Okay, sure. And one guy, like, swerves over but loses in the game of chicken before he can try to start shooting, and and now it's on. Harley Chase scene right into the credits. Jax can apparently do math when we get back, and they spin around and start shooting. Now they're the ones chasing. Which I guess, sure, that maybe that's how this would go. I I don't know. I've I've ridden my motorcycle a fair bit. Uh, not nearly as many miles as I would like to have put on it by now. But 
I can say I've never been in this scenario, thankfully. Thankfully, nobody's shot at me, so I don't know how I would react, nor what would happen if I sped up, turned around, and started shooting at them. I don't, I don't know how that would go. I don't, I don't, I don't have that insight for you. I'm sorry. I'll try to do better. <laughs> um. Okay. Cut back to TM, and Halfsack needs a signature from Tara. Uh, which is just an excuse to pull her away from the car so that Gemma can look in her purse and she finds the gun. And when Tara gets back, we get the classic, like, mind if I smoke? And Tara's like, if I said yes, <laughs> good point. I I don't like to do too much quoting in the podcast because, like, you watched the show. If you didn't watch the episode and you're listening to this, like, I don't fucking know how you serve, like you function in the world. Like, that doesn't make... I can't wrap my head around that at all. Um, but thank you for listening either way. But I'm going to assume you've watched it. I'm going to assume you know what they like, what happened in the scenes, and I don't have to quote every line to you. Um, and you wouldn't like it if I quoted every line to you because you watched it. Uh, anyways, Gemma drops Tara off, and they're like bonding over men's hoarding of underwear when Gemma confronts Tara about the gun. Tara claims it's a habit from when she lived in a bad neighborhood of Chicago. Gemma's not buying it. Obviously, we know better. Um, and I don't really know... I don't know why this is where she went, truthfully, because, like, Tara doesn't really need to prove anything to Gemma in her mind, and Gemma's not going to give a shit that you're carrying a gun. She's just being nosy. Like, she's not judging you. She has, like... 167 guns she's the like queen of the old ladies of an outlaw motorcycle club that sells fucking guns like she's not concerned about the uh the uh, legality of you carrying a firearm she's just being nosy about why and you don't owe her any kind of response and i wouldn't think that tara would feel that she does so i don't know why she makes up the like you know lived in a bad neighborhood of chicago thing uh, Jax and Bobby are at the gas station, uh, and they're Mayan free, so apparently that went okay. Um, Jax does call Clay, though, to let him know that they were spotted, and this is where Clay decides that they need a, what he describes as a permanent presence at Indian Hills, and we hear the phrase, Patchover, which is the name of our episode. And Jax immediately is not stoked about this, and Clay says he'll tell Jerry himself and now apparently everyone is headed up to Indian Hills, and it's mandatory for the club. Uh, and I think you get the gist by the episode, but like a patch over is when one club like absorbs another one, like a like a company making an acquisition. A uh, smaller business becomes a part of the bigger business. Uh, and the Devil's Tribe in Indian Hills, Nevada, is about to be acquired by Sons of Anarchy, whether they like it or not. Um, Clay says to bring everyone, and Tig is super excited about the party that's going to take place, and Clay says no, because Tig has to drive the guns, and also freezes out the prospect, completely, pretends he doesn't exist. Not good for you, half-sack, probably shouldn't have said anything about Gemma. And also, at this point, half-sack's gotta know... Like, he's been around long enough to know not to say something stupid like that. And to, like, I don't know. It just seems, I know half-sack's kind of dumb, but, um, 
that's extra dumb. And the timing, I I guess it just feels weird to me. Uh, if we think about, he was already a prospect when this series started. We're four episodes in, so it's not like he just showed up yesterday. Um, and to become a prospect, like you got to hang around a while. They don't just like take every random person off the street who like they don't fill out a job application on indeed i want to be part of the sons of anarchy like prospect is the job application and they have to give you like they have to essentially vet you out and interview you before you even get to apply like that's what hangarounds do they they're invited to hang around the club and if they think that you have some you know um potential of fitting or they think that you could fit like you might get invited to prospect like so he's been around this club at least for a little while and knows how they operate at least in some ways like you don't you know a hangaround is not going to be privy to the inner workings of what's going on but like he at least knows the personalities at play and like who's married to who what not to say about whose wife kind of stuff. Like, that's obvious stuff that you would know, like, in any setting, not just in this, like, motorcycle club setting. Like, if he was showing up to work as an accountant, he knows that at work he shouldn't say that the CFO's wife is hot. Like, not a great call. But anyway... Um, I'm going off on a tangent here. We cut back to the gas station. Uh, and this is my favorite scene of this entire season. We've got a pretty boy who's not very nice to his girlfriend. And he's sitting on Jax's bike trying to get her to take his picture. She knows better that he shouldn't be doing this. And he's doing it and he's like, like, you have to be... One, we know this guy is a special level of douche by the way that he talks to her. We also know that you have to be a special level of douche to think it's okay to go sit on somebody else's property to get a picture of it. Like, what is this for? The fucking gram? Like, this is 2009. That wasn't a thing yet. Like, why is why is he having her take his picture with her flip phone or his flip phone, whatever, on this dude's bike? Like... It's not a good idea to do this. And Jax walks out while it's happening. And he he clocks the cut on her lip. Um, and like I said, apparently this guy's not just mean with his words. So fuck this guy. Um, and Jax very nicely offers to take the picture. And is kind of he's kind of like, you know, he's just... He's playing this one kind of cool. He's like, all right, cool. I'll take the picture. And a peek uh, behind the mic here as well. Um, while I was watching this, my kid was taking a nap. And I got to this part. I got like super giddy because I love this scene so much. And she stirred awake just as Jax was asking about her lip. Rough timing, kiddo. Just like building my suspense. Um, and then I got back to it. And Jax takes the before picture. Before? 
and he slams the fucking douchebag right in the face with a helmet. Oh, it's so satisfying. Um, this guy is a great A piece of shit, and I could watch him get blasted in the face all fucking day long. Don't ever sit on another man's bike. But more importantly, don't put your hands on your significant other, you piece of human worthless waste. Now Bobby gives him a swift kick and takes the after picture. And joy. Just joy. Uh, Susie takes off with Jax and leaves this asshole in the parking lot. And Cone saw everything and took pictures. And now my kid's awake again, and I'll be picking this up again a bit later. It's been several days for me, and less than a second for you, as I'm able to jump back into this episode. I like how in my notes I started writing this, uh, kind of like a story (laughs) a little bit. Um, but luckily, this is what I wrote. Luckily, it gives me a reason to rewind and watch that fuckboy piece of shit get clocked in the face again. Alright, now we're walking into Indian Hills Clubhouse for the Devil's Tribe MC. We have a smart-ass back and forth between Bobby and Jax about where he's sticking his tongue, uh, and we meet Jerry. They're introduced in the clubhouse as MC Royalty, which gives us a sense of where Sons of Anarchy falls, like in the pecking order a bit, and also speaks to the relationship between these two clubs. MC Royalty also means free perks, which Bobby is a big fan of. Uh, Ironic that he just gave Jack's shit about, like, every man having been there with the girl he just picked up at a gas station, but he's totally down for rolling hay with someone who has sex for a living. No judgment from me, just ironic. Jax and Jerry are sitting down to talk business, and we're introduced to Cherry, who you may recognize from Orange is the New Black, but I've never seen that show. Uh, I recognize her as Eminem's ex in 8 Mile. (laughs) Regardless of where you know her from, on this show, she's tasked with bringing Jax's new girl up to speed on how to navigate this, like, MC life when you're a woman, uh, which is undoubtedly very tricky. And we cut to TM. Clay's saying goodbye to Gemma, and the club is headed to Indian Hills, and the patch over is fully in play, and Tig is not happy to not be going with them at all. Uh, So we cut back to Jax, and he's getting the lowdown on business ventures from Jerry. We got sports books, escorts, and we've got Mayan's extortion. Those are our main topics of discussion here. Um, Jerry's dilemma is that if he doesn't pay the Mayans, he's going to have problems. If he does pay the Mayans, he's going to have problems with the Sons of Anarchy. Mm, Kind of a rock in the hard place. Uh, Local law enforcement is apparently a fan, and they have 18 members of the Devil's Tribe. Uh, And Jerry is clearly pretty old school. The the, Jack's uh, tag-along learns quickly that this this isn't the, the type of place to question a patch member particularly a president when they say to do something and that goes for anyone but it's especially true if not very cringy for women in this clubhouse um and this is interesting from what little that i've learned in just like random ways this is a more accurate representation of like the male female dichotomy in outlaw mc culture that's typically very traditional and very gender rolled 
But with our club, with Sam Crow, we don't see this quite so much. Not like this. Um, it's actually kind of the opposite. We see very strong female personalities attached to the club, which I think is the second biggest reason that so many women love this TV show. Um, super strong female characters, even though it's set in a world where women aren't treated particularly well. Um, by the way, the first reason is Charlie Hunnam's abs, just in case you were wondering. Um, Jax isn't ready to share the solution to Jerry's problem just yet, though. Uh, first, he needs a solution to his own problem, the guns. And Jerry offers a strip club to assemble and store the guns for a while, and that seems a-okay for Jax. So now we get to the news that we've been anticipating. When Jerry asks, you know, ask, tell Clay, like, to give me an idea, like, how do I handle this Mayan situation? Jax lets him know Clay's on his way. He can ask him himself. And this is where Jerry learns about the patch over. And he's not overly stoked. Jax is pretty convincing, though. I think more than Clay would be in this scenario. Clay's a little bit more brute force. Jax has a little bit more um has a little bit more smoothness, I guess, um, to his game when it comes to communication, uh, although he is uh very capable to lose that smoothness and fall into a violent rage. <laughs> um, not trying to paint him as uh the soft cuddly type here now we cut to cherry who's giving Susie that lesson in mc culture you know don't talk back don't ask questions and we, we get a lesson too we learn in this episode like what an old lady is um this is essentially our education on on that whole concept and it's basically just the biker version of like committed relationships um and now we cut to outside where Jax and Bobby are having a conversation about the patch over. And Jax still isn't happy about the arrangement. Notice he was convincing and behind it with Jerry. But now outside with Bobby, he's like, man, this isn't this isn't the right call. He says Clay's making a mistake. And Bobby's here to try to set him straight. And we're reminded of what I said earlier. It's not just women who aren't supposed to question a club president. Neither are the other club members. Jax's VP, vice president, second highest ranking member. And Bobby's real quick to point out to him that he shouldn't be questioning all of Clay's moves the way that he has been. So again, very hierarchical. Hierarchical? Hierarchical. So now we got a road scene. The club's on the way, and I'm getting all tingly. Um, go ahead, make your boner jokes, whatever. Um, but it's been months since, uh, at this point when I wrote this, that I have been able to feel the bike rumble. And uh, at this point, I was ready to put one of these like riding montages on repeat and just stick the phone between my legs just to see if it vibrates. But, update, between the time that I watched this episode and got to record this episode, I have at least got to take... One loop around a quick little, um, just a short little ride that I can take uh, by my house that doesn't take me too long, so I'm not uh, away from the fam for a long period of time. But I was able to do it, and it was so, so satisfying. So satisfying. 
it didn't even matter that much to me that the wind was blowing so, so hard and so unnecessarily, unnecessarily hard uh, on that ride. And you know what? So was I. It was great. Uh, All right. So uh, back to the show. Cut to Clay announcing the patch over. Uh, We get some backstory of the history between these two clubs, which is cool. Um, And you notice a lot of like gray hair (laughs) around this table and Jack's lays down a cut with a fresh reaper on the back and they let the tribe discuss the matter in private and now at this point we got to check in with tig and juice and this is kind of great when you um when you think when you have listened to reaper reviews um with Theo Rossi and Kim Coates, the two actors that played these two characters, and they talk when they talked about this scene and stuff like that. Uh, it was cool listening to them talk to each other, um, and it makes it brings a little something rewatching this scene um, for those of us that are really into this show and listen to that show. Um, anyway, what do what actually goes down? Uh, so they drug the dog, and they're breaking into Unser's trucking. Um, facility the the idea is they're supposed to make it look like they stole the truck even though Unser's saying like yeah go ahead take a truck but just in case it was they were caught with assault rifles illegally obtained and transported probably don't want that tracing back to Unser's company since you know he's also chief yeah So now the dog bites Tig's ass, and he's having a real bad day. Juice used the wrong drugs. Instead of knocking it out, it set it completely on edge. Well done, Juice. Uh, Juice is kind of stupid in this season. (laughs) Tig won't let him shoot the dog, though. Uh, Remember that for later. Now we cut to Gemma and her birds. Uh, I think this might be the first time we see her birds. Uh, She's going through a box of handguns. Uh, and makes a call to some lady in a porn studio and wants her to talk to a U.S. marshal for some reason that's not clear at this point in the episode, but it's going to come back up in a few minutes. Uh, And we go back to Clay and Jax. Clay thinks that maybe half of the Devil's Tribe are going to stay on board to become Sons of Anarchy members, uh, and even less are going to be there. Um, after the Mayans basically come start shooting at them. Uh, and Jax says here that he wants to be there for backup when the Mayans come around, and Clay doesn't. That, again, will become more important in this very episode, so I don't really need to foreshadow for you. It's gonna happen here. Uh, some guys leave, and Clay and Jax come inside. We've got our patch over complete. Jerry gets his cut, big hugs all around, and now it's time to party. And Cherry isn't stupid. She knows shit's about to change in her little world. Um, But the good news for her is she meets Halfsack, and they seem to be getting along pretty well. She's into his service background, um, you know, likes to talk about his single remaining nut, and uh, she might become an old lady after all. Now we go back to Tig and Juice. Tig is not happy. Juice wants to, like, pal around, and Tig isn't very interested in a friendly hangout at the moment. That's what I got. Uh, Back to Jax. Still not happy with the patchover decision, or leaving Jerry behind to deal with the pending Mayan problem alone, but Susie 
offers a worthy distraction from his troubles for a night, at least. Uh, I wonder where they're going. What's going to happen over there? Hmm? I wonder. Uh, so now Clay is plotting. Um, he gets he gets his revenge on Halfsack's comments from earlier about Gemma. Uh, Cherry's not happy about it, but she has to go along with it because, again, this is the role she plays. Um, Clay motivates, uh, you know, uh, or sorry, Clay. She is motivated to do so by the look that Jerry gives her, and uh, Clay's motives are clear as he walks past Halfsack and makes his serious chubby line. It's a rough night for Halfsack and Cherry, for that matter. But again, that's you know that's the role she's agreed to play. And for those of you who are gonna get super pissed about how she's treated here and while i agree it does suck um i wish it wasn't that way but she's not a patch member of the club she's at full liberty to leave whenever she wants um she's chosen to latch onto this club and play this role so when a president of the club requires your services that's what you do in this arrangement i guess if it's me, I'd probably find another little town and wait tables for a living or something. But this is, this is what Cherry wanted. Like, and she's made it clear, like she wants to be an old lady, and until then, she's gonna play the role that the club needs her to play. Um, and that's, and that's this. Uh, Tig and Juice show up in the morning, bright and early. People passed out everywhere. A chick comes out to greet him and just throws up everywhere. It was obviously a hell of a party, and Tig is pissed. Still pissed, so pissed that he missed it. Uh, and okay, now we're cutting to Jax. We're, we do a lot of cutting in the in this show. Uh, we cut to Jax. He's alone in the desert, and he finds a spot that uh, he recognizes from his father's book. And this is apparently the inspiration for the Sons of Anarchy Club's formation from the beginning. Um, Let's just pretend that it's not just simple plot convenience that Jax can read a vague description in a home-written book about a small cave on a Nevada border and just happen to find the exact spot that his father was referring to so he could have his moment and read some more. Yeah, I wrote all that down. Now we're back at Indian Hills. Tig, you guessed it, still pissed. Half-sack, pissed too. Cherry explains to Susie what her role is with the club and finishes explaining how the old lady thing works. Uh, and now we cut to Queen Old Lady herself. Gemma is dropping off Tara's car at her dad's house. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it's an accident how many times we cut, like, how prominent the Gemma-Tara piece of this episode is alongside of us being educated on what old ladies are in this world. I don't think that's an accident. Um, but she's dropping off Tara's car at her dad's house because she's just so kind. Uh, and she's invited herself in and there's awkward small talk. Uh, Tara isn't buying any of this shit. Gemma goes into the backstory and just questions Tara on why she's back in Charming. Um, Gemma tried the whole, like, don't date my son bullshit. Um, notice that Tara's response isn't we're not seeing each other or that's not why I'm back or anything along those lines. Her response is we're not 19. You can't dictate who he sees. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, Gemma's nice enough to give her one of those guns that she was playing with earlier uh, with a filed-off serial number so that it can't be traced. And Tara does accept this olive branch. And that's that scene in a nutshell. Um, Back to Indian Hills. Clay explains that he's good with Halfsack now as he gets a call from Jax. Says that the Mayans have spotted him riding his bike. He's lying. He found them, caused a scene, kicking over their bikes, so now we've got another bike chase on our hands. And we have a riding and guns montage. If you're not getting, like, super excited when this happens, we've got bikes and bullets right now. If that does not get you giddy, I don't know why you're watching this show or listening to this podcast. Um, Oh, and Cone is still here, by the way, in case you forgot. Now Jack slides his way into the bar because that's gravel, and he's riding pretty fast when he goes into it. It's a testament to how good of a rider this character is at this point in his life because a lot of dudes are going down in that scenario. Uh, Susie is hiding behind a tree, uh, and Mayans start shooting the clubhouse. Sons of Anarchy ambush them. There's dudes coming from every direction, shooting at the Mayans, and nobody's hitting shit, except Jerry takes, uh, takes like a, 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 a bullet to, I can't remember where it hit him, shoulder, maybe? Um, it, it's kind of like a graze. Uh, we've got chaos. Chaos of bikers who can't shoot straight, and Susie's about to shit herself. Uh, and I don't think she's still thinking that she could get used to this uh, that she was thinking the night before. So now we're back at TM. Some guy is talking to Gemma. Uh, he seems a little weird. His name is Lowell. He obviously has some demons. And Gemma's friend shows up to tell her that Tara had a restraining order against someone whose name was redacted from the file and that she lived in a nice neighborhood in Chicago. So, uh, apparently, that's what the U.S. Marshal thing was all about. Gemma's still been trying to figure out, like, why is Tara here? Why did she come back? And this is her little investigation. Um, And why was she carrying a gun? Um, Back to Indian Hills. Jerry's getting patched up. The aftermath of the shootout. um, Mines are gone at this point. Clay and Jax say goodbye to Jerry. Um, Clay wants to know what happened. And Jack says he was taking a ride to clear his head and got spotted by the Mayans. So, apparently this is just supposed to be accepted. That Clay wouldn't know the difference between Jack's calling from next to his idling bike and calling while in the middle of a full-on chase scene. Sure. Why not? Plot. Got it. Alright. Clay leaves Juice behind for the guns and Clay rewards Tig for his pouting with three of Jerry's girls. So now Jax leaves to see his boy, uh, nods goodbye to Susie, who called the douchebag fuckface boy to come pick her up. (sighs) I just can't. Okay. Jax at the hospital. Sorry, I just don't like that guy, like, at all. At all. Eh. Yeah. Anyway. Jax is at the hospital. Stops to see Tara on his way, shows her no blood on his shirt, you know, says that that's what makes it an uneventful trip, which is hilarious given the shootout that literally just took place. Uh, Stops in to see his kid and mom. Tara looks at the file that was sent to her and it's pictures of Jax nailing Susie. Thanks, Cone. Awkward ending to the episode. Also, really solid camera work. 
I love this episode <laughs> so much. Um, it's the prototypical problematic, toxic masculinity, sexist, and inappropriate humor mixed with bikes, bullets, and mayhem that I, it's the whole package of, of does not end well, but like gives me all the joy and makes me question myself as, as a person. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all it is. It's the, it's kind of the low stakes in comparison to the majority of the plot lines in this series, yet it's got multiple times our guys could have died. So, uh, it's really cool. Um, it's, it's a very set up episode. Sure. But like, I don't know. I just, I really enjoy it. Um, and I really enjoy the cherry scenes as well. I think it's really cool. It's a really cool way to like weave in the foundation for how a romance storyline would go on in this kind of show. We know it's going to be a thing. No good story happens without a romantic side plot somewhere along the way. Even Harry Potter, as bad as almost all of the romance is, it's still there. Um, it's still important. And this is a TV drama for adults. Of course, there's going to be romance involved. Like, it's in the formula playbook. Um, but what does that look like in this super masculine MC world? Like, how does how does a romantic story arc work with outlaw bikers? And we get a decent idea of what that can look like thanks to Cherry kind of explaining it to us. Um, plus, she's a cool character. It's it's acted really well, and it yeah, I, I like that. And these are two good actresses who are playing their parts really well. Susie's like the, the doe in the headlights, um, you know, completely oblivious to how outlaw biker world works. And Cherry is kind of kind of the still young but like has been around enough to kind of know how it works and like know what she wants and knows what mo- like motivates her to be in it. Um, so it's a cool like I don't know I, I like their scenes together. I just like their the that whole this whole aspect. I like this whole episode. Um, we also get a cool little look into MC culture as it relates to how clubs interact with each other. Um, what a patch over is in a lot of ways. It's like a setup and exposition and all of that, but like has so much in it that is just a lot of fun, especially the gas station scene. Have I mentioned fuck that guy? And I'm not going to go too deep into it, but there's also a lot of foreshadowing and future plots set up here. They're going to be as twisty as the roads around Sturgis. So like this is, it's setting up to be really fun. Like I said, I'm, I don't want to spoil all of the things that happen like super late, but I'm going to tell you right now, we just planted a seed for the final season and like one of the biggest plot points of the final season we got a seed for it in this episode right now it's episode fucking four of season one and we laid that egg it's just yeah it's it's really cool um this is gonna be a fun ride uh before we get out of here uh, we're gonna rewrite sons of anarchy one small change to each episode at a time i'm gonna pose a question and you can tell me what the impact would be on the episode and the wider story. For this episode, what if Jackson and Bobby weren't spotted by Mayans on their way to Indian Hills? Let's see what you think that does to our story. I'll share the question on social media. You can follow at Belated Binge across TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There's also an exclusive Facebook group for listeners of this podcast. The best responses will be included in a future episode. There's also links to all the things um, in the episode show notes. If you enjoyed this, 
re-binging of Sons of Anarchy, give me a follow, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening on. Um, I'd also welcome you to check out the other binges that are going on right now, The Office and the Harry Potter books. They're all right here on this very feed. We're nothing if not, um, what's the word? I was going to say diverse, but like it's just me here. Um, so it's that's not all that accurate. Uh, but we have a, uh, a diverse array of binges to take part of uh, in the content. There, that's that's probably a better way to say it. Uh, you can visit belatedbinge.com to find links to all of the things. Uh, Patreon as well. Uh, you can leave a voicemail there uh, with your own thoughts. And there's, um, you know, like I said, all, all the things, all the links. Uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, life is short. Buy the motorcycle. And when you do, wear a helmet. Dress for the slide, not the ride. And make sure you're taking belated binge Sons of Anarchy along for that ride.